Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotion. Reading once again from Through the Bible, Through the Year by John Stott. Uh, These are daily reflections, uh, taking really a a flyover of the whole Bible from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. So if you read through this in a year, you'll get a really good uh, overview of the entire Bible. Couldn't recommend this enough from one of uh, one of the guys who's been probably one of my favorite Bible teachers and Bible commentators over the years, John Stott, now home with the Lord, but such a wise man, such a good Bible teacher. Uh, the section I want to read today, the selection actually, is from Acts chapter 2. It's at the beginning of the church, and um, Acts chapter 2 uh, records this great ingathering of about 3,000 people right as the church first began in the New Testament. And so I'm going to read the section that he will refer to. Uh, it's actually Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bible and you want to look it up, you can you can read it with me. Read along with me, if you will. Uh, verse 37 through the end of the chapter, uh, verse 47, I think it is here. Let me see if I can get this at the right angle so I can see it with these old eyes of mine. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction. They heard uh, the apostle Peter preaching. And that's all that front part of uh, the first 36 verses of uh, Acts chapter 2. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? And that is like slow pitch softball for somebody to ask a preacher or this set of disciples and now apostles, what must we do? How should we respond? The apostle Peter says, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. And that includes us far off, not just in terms of geography, but far off in time. Here we are 2,000 years later, roughly, from the early church. And we're the far off ones. That's just amazing to me. Um, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Wonder what he would think about our generation if he thought his generation was corrupt. Hmm. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And I love it that there's that definite article, T-H-E, before each of those four things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers. And then fear came over everyone, and this is a holy fear, I'm sure, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. There is this tremendous thing that has happened And the people are wondering, what is God up to? I don't know if you've ever wondered that. But uh, true, I think sometimes trembling is a good thing for us. uh, To know the power of God and that God is on the move and that God is at work. Then 
Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, uh, goes on and says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Verse 45, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and a humble attitude. I love that. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. That's just an amazing summary by Luke about the start of the early church. And now let's hear from John Stott, his thoughts on this particular passage. We've seen that a living church is a learning church, John Stott says, and it's a caring church. It is also a worshiping church. And so right here, John Stott lifting from that section of scripture. Um, and you might, you might, if you wanted to, to change some of those adjectives just a little and, and, and use some synonyms, you might say it's a living church, it's a loving church, and it's also a worshiping church. He says, the breaking of bread is evidently a reference to the Lord's Supper, though probably with a fellowship meal included. And the prayer that is mentioned here is more literally the prayers, plural, and with a de de definite article, T-H-E, in front of it, alluding to prayer services or prayer meetings. What strikes me most about the worship of the early church is its balance in two respects. And now, see, I... I sit up straight. I want to hear from this wise Bible teacher, this sage, John Stott. What two respects is he talking about? First, their worship was both formal and informal, for it took place both in the temple and in their homes, as verse 46 tells us. We note that the first believers did not immediately abandon the institutional church, in other words, they kept going to the temple there in Jerusalem. Doubtless, they were anxious to reform it according to the gospel, for they knew that its sacrifices, the animal sacrifices in the temple, had been fulfilled in the sacrifice of Christ because Jesus is the ultimate Lamb of God. But they continued to attend the traditional prayer services that must have had a degree of formality. They also supplemented these with more informal home meetings and with their own distinctively Christian worship or Eucharist. And Eucharist, of course, means the Thanksgiving feast that Christians celebrate because of Jesus being the ultimate Lamb of God who laid down his life for us. He's the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf to appease the holy, righteous wrath of God. Because of our sin, Jesus didn't have any sin. And so he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Stott goes on and says, we should not polarize between the structured and the unstructured, the liturgical and the spontaneous. The early church had both. So should we. Every congregation of any size should break itself into smaller groups. And I know a lot of churches do this in different ways. We here at the Village Chapel, at our church, we have 
small men's groups, small women's groups. We have small groups for the young professionals, young adults. We have a small group that's made up of, of 50 plus age group that's really got a lot of vitality and they do a lot of things together. And most all of these, um, you can come, if you come in person to the Village Chapel, uh, you can join right in with those groups. We've got home groups as well, uh, peppered all around Nashville, all around the vicinity. Uh, We even have home groups online and some of our men's groups meet online and women's groups meet online as well. So there's hybrid versions of all of the above. So if you're watching these devotions from another country, from another place, and you would like to be a part of one of those groups, you can do that. Just uh, send an email to info at thevillagechapel.com and somebody will get back with you. But I think Stott is right here that we need to have both the, the, the formal and the informal, the liturgical and the spontaneous in every church. And that's this is amazing because this is coming from John Stott, who is an Anglican himself, what we would think of as a more formal or liturgical church. A lot of people might think of it that way. Well, that's the, that's the first of the two aspects in which he wanted to describe the worship of the early church. I don't know about you, but I'm eager to hear about the second one. And he says this, Secondly, the early church's worship was both joyful and reverent. I like this. There's no doubt about their joy. The Greek word agaliasis in verse 46, it says joyful there, denotes an exuberant outburst of joy. So it's not just regular joy. It's an exuberant outburst of joy. And if you read verse 46 again, you'll see it says that they're, uh, he describes their worship as, as both joyful and humble, okay? And so that's really powerful when you, when, when you hear from, you know, Stott about this particular Greek word meaning an exuberant outburst. So their, their worship was exuberant in that way. For the fruit of the Spirit, says Stott, is joy. And sometimes a more uninhibited joy than our ecclesiastical traditions encourage. When I attend some, when I attend some church services, he said, I think I've come to a funeral by mistake. You ever feel that way? I used to feel that way as a kid all the time. Everybody checked their emotions at the door when they came into a worship service, and then they went and sat quietly in the pews. And uh, mostly I didn't understand what was going on myself. I was too young to, to get it, uh, to pay attention, to understand the uh, importance of silence or reverence, that sort of thing. And I just always wanted there to be a little more enthusiasm, you know. Um, but there is a, a balance to be struck, he's saying. There's, we should have both uh, joyfulness and reverence at the same time. So he says, some worship services strike me. Uh, uh, like a funeral would. Everybody's dressed in black, he says. Nobody smiles or talks. The hymns or songs are played at the pace of a snail or a tortoise. And the whole atmosphere is just laborious. All right. Christianity is a joyful religion. And every meeting or service should be a celebration of joy. And then he says, at the same time, the early church's worship was never irreverent. Yet today, um, if some churches uh, and their services are funeral-like, others are flippant. But if joy is a mark of authentic worship, so is reverence. Everyone was filled with awe. Verse 43 says, The living God had visited Jerusalem. 
and they bowed down before him in that mixture of wonder and humility that we can call worship. John Stott, Through the Bible, Through the Air, highly recommend that one to you if you're looking for something uh, to, to read and give you a good uh, sort of overview of the scriptures, Genesis through Revelation. Let's pray. Lord, grateful that uh, you have revealed yourself to us in the person and work of Jesus. And so grateful to learn of the early church as we read through the book of Acts. There's just so much there, Lord. And uh, um, as, we, as we see that combination of, uh, uh, of joy and of humility, I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would experience you in that same way. Mm. Yeah, we need, uh, Lord, to have our, our spirits lightened, our souls lightened from time to time. And at other times, I think, Lord, so much of my, in my own heart, my own mind, uh, of times when I need to not be flippant, but to, to perhaps be quiet in your presence, to perhaps uh, be awed by your presence, astonished and filled with the wonder of who you are and that you would care about me. Impress that upon all of us today, Lord. May we walk in the joy that we have in Christ Jesus uh, and also in wonder-filled hearts, with wonder-filled hearts, uh, awestruck at your beauty and your majesty. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Have a great one. Daily Devotions with Pastor Jim Thomas is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas. Music by Phil Kagey.